Good morning. We've had some technical difficulties here all morning. There will be no video, but we're trying to record the audio. And uh, we'll go from here. But I do have a, a message that I want to give. I think it's fitting that I, I have a joke to start this morning. I think it's very fitting when we think about computers. There was a, uh, a minister, a rabbit, and a priest walked into a bar. They walked up to the bar and the bartender said to the rabbit, what will you have? And the rabbit goes, shakes his head and looks up and says, I don't know here. I don't know. I'm only here because of autocorrect. <laughs> and if you know what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> And you don't know what autocorrect does to your messages? Okay. Well, good start. Thank you, George. Lord, there is nothing that can stop you. Sorry. And your word is good and your word is sweet. So, Lord, I just ask that you bless the hearers and you bless me and put the words in my mouth that you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want, I want I do it differently than Terry. You can see the whiteboard's erased and it will stay erased. <laughs> um, I do not have 10 books up here and laminated notes. But that's okay. We, uh, we're two different people, and and we've come to, to realize that, that we handle things differently. But God's always the same. And what I want to talk to you about is, is prophecy, um, because along with Living Grace, we're associated with Jehu Ministries. And uh, we just finished a, a trip out to Montana to do ministry out there. And I wanted, I wanted, this was a message I really for, um, put together for them out there when I, I preached out there two weeks ago in my son-in-law's church. Because I think it's so important that people understand the, the importance of, of prophecy and how it fits into, into the body. So I titled the message, Visitation or Habitation. And basically that is Old Testament or New Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophets were more than policemen setting the guardrails for the law under the Old Covenant. That was, if you do this, I will do this. And the Old Testament prophets were there to say, you're not doing this and you're going to get this. And the word of the Lord was sovereign. It was, it was a visitation. The, these guys back then, the Old Testament prophets, did not carry the Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit had not come to them yet. But the Lord, you, if you read through the uh, prophets, you would see it says, and the word of the Lord came to me, or the Lord rested upon me, or I, uh, I saw this, or 
or whatever. And it was a, it was a visitation that they gave, and the, and God's word was sovereign. There was no, yeah, Lord, but that did that did not work. In the New Testament, after Christ came and the Holy Spirit came and resided in us, which is sometimes I think we take for granted that you don't realize that God put himself in us. He put himself in us, that we could have communion with him and be with him and hear him and, and speak with him. And at that time, I believe the prophetic became more participatory, that the Lord would say, Sharon, this is what I want you to do. And the Lord didn't zap Sharon for not doing it, but he gave her the choice of walking out a word of prophecy. Because when you get a word of prophecy as a New Testament believer, you get the responsibility to walk it out. It's not just go sit in your living room and wait for it to happen. In the Old Testament, it was the commands of the law. This is what the law says, and you better, you better follow through, you better do it. And there's it's not that the Old Testament is not true, but because of Christ came, everything changed. And you read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, that the gift of prophecy is a gift, is given to the church. And it's and it is given as a gift. It's here. And like any other gift, if we even gifts we get in the natural, you uh you don't have to use it, you don't have to accept it. When people don't accept it. And the purpose of that gift, as stated in 1 Corinthians 14:3, is to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. It is not to call down fire on people, but there are different types of prophets in the New Testament. Some are drawn to the political arena. Some are drawn to business. Jehu ministry is very much an interpersonal, your relationship with the Father. And in my notes, I, I wrote down do I qualify for this? I had to cross that out because we all, we all qualify. But do I see this? And I'll, I'll tell you this a little story back about early 1994, 95. I took a, a group of friends, three, three men, sort of like what we did to Montana. Took a group of three friends up to northern Vermont to just get away and spend a little time together. And they were church friends. I knew them. We had ministered together. And there was, I've been up to this area so many times. I, I have relatives buried up there from the 1700s. 
and I know the area well, and we've got a little place on a lake, and we were just going to sit in fellowship for a week. And there was a, there's a little church in this town, a little H-E church, that when you walk in, the floors creak, the pews creak, and the place smells like mildew. Big old windows, no air conditioning, but it's just an old, old church in this little tiny town. And I had met the pastor before, and it was funny because he had some association with the pastor of the church I was in at the time. And uh, I walked in, and he was there, and I, I said, uh, hello, and introduced the three gentlemen that were with me, and he seemed very, he had other things on his mind, and said hi, and took off, and he was busy. So we we went in and the four of us found found our pew and like I said they they rock back and forth they creak. I would say there's probably fifty people sixty people in this little church. And he started his message. Some of you who know me know when I minister. I sometimes, a lot of times, I can't help but weep. And this is really the first time I realized that, and I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I look back at it, this is where the Lord started to work with me in, in the prophetic. And the pastor started his message, and I started to cry. And I'm sitting in here in this church, and I am just crying. I I don't even know what he preached on. And of course, the guys like they still do today, and it chuckled at me and handed me, tried to hand me Kleenex and stuff. And it even got to the point that the lady who I did know on the other side of me, here, you need these. And I couldn't stop. I had no clue what, what was going on in my spirit, but there was something. And the pastor ended his ended his message and opened up the altar for anybody who wanted to come up and pray. And we went up there as fast as we could. And one of the other gentlemen who was with me was one of my mentors. He started. And we were on this old pew in this church. I mean, not just quietly eye-running. Well, we were all out just laid open, just wailing. And of course, it, it drew a lot of attention from people who like to stand there and just gaze and look at you like, hmm, that must have a lot of sin in him. You know, that attitude. And we and we went on for a long time and the church emptied out and the, the pastor finally, you know, we started to pull ourselves together a little bit and sat up in the in the pew and still just wasted spiritually. And the pastor came up to me and said, why are you guys here? And like that, didn't think of it, didn't anything, said we came here for you. His eyes got huge. He ran through the window and looked out the window into the parking lot. 
I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what I said. He called me over away from the other guys and said, I have to tell you this morning, my wife said she's leaving me for another man, leaving me and my two sons. And I'm broken. What I experienced was the father's heart for one of his children. I had no understanding what I was doing. So we went back to our place, and I, sh I shared with the guys, and we got back in touch with the pastor. And by coincidence, my mentor, who was also a by profession, a counselor. The other two, one was an elder and one was a deacon in our, in our church. And we counseled him. We counseled his wife. We counseled him together. That's what we did with our week. He resigned that church. They got into some counseling, some understanding of what was going on and why why some world wars that we weren't told. And I later on got a phone call one Sunday morning from them to tell us that they were totally reconciled. And doing good. Last I knew he was back in he was in Michigan over on the other side of the state in a in a large church in a position there. And doing well, and that's the last I heard from him. But see, that's what a good, good father does. And that's where I realized there was something more to the prophetic other than a show or a demonstration of and most of these, most people don't like to demonstrate their power. It's not their power. So what I want you to understand is, you know, how do you realize your position? How how do you you know? How do you how do you get to a place where you uh, can see what? what the Lord's doing. And, and it, it does take does take a step. It does take something. And if you would go and and read uh in Acts 16, around verse 30, and Paul and Silas were in prison. And they were praying and worshiping and the and the earth quaked and the doors opened and a lot of people ran off and and the guard was ready to kill himself because he knew what would happen to him. And Paul says, no, we're still here. We haven't left. And the guard says, what must I do to be saved? Simple. Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family will be saved. It's not fill out this track, come down, give us your name, say the special prayer. And if that offends you, that's okay. I deal with it. It's simply believing that Jesus is who he said he was. That's how you qualify. 
that's you how you became come available for the ministry because at that point it's not that you receive jesus into your heart jesus is already there it's just that you see he is in your heart and how valuable you are to him and that opens you up to the realm of the gifts of the spirit they are all gifts they are they're giving given to you And, uh, you know, sometimes people go, well, you know, that's that's not a gift that was given to me. Let me go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 30. Verse 31. It says, for you can all prophesy. All prophesy. Everyone in this room can prophesy. And I don't care about age. I don't care about male, female. I don't, it's all can prophesy in turn so that everyone be, may be instructed and encouraged. That is the purpose of prophecy. It is to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. One thing you need to learn to do is start listening to God. A lot of people say, I, I just don't hear him speak. We could all probably tell different stories of when we heard the Lord speak to us. Did he speak to us through just, that's not, shouldn't say just, through re reading the word? He has done that in my life. I've, I've had instances where he gives me a chapter and verse to go to. And it, at times, it, it is strange, and it is it has blown me away, and that has happened several several times. I have I've had times when he has spoken into my head words that I had no understanding were coming. It wasn't it wasn't a thought. It was somebody you know whispered in my ear and said, "This is this is what I want to do." And you know, unlike a lot of Prophetic people that are on YouTube. Amazing what the Lord can say in five or ten words. He doesn't have to draw it out. He just says, this is this. is this," And your spirit quickens and, and you hear him. And he can speak to you in so many different ways. <laughs> so many different ways. It's, and we tend to try to put him in a box. We try to say, well, he's he spoke to me this way. I or I haven't heard him audibly, so obviously he's not he doesn't care as much for me. No, that's not the way it works. And I'm gonna talk next week about listening for the voice of God and the and the words that are said to you, and to try to give you an understanding of a little more of how God speaks to you. So I'll, I'll save a lot of that for them. But I just wanted to let you know, God can speak in any way he, he wants. He can speak to you through loved ones. He can speak to you through your wife, your husband. He can speak to you through a friend. He can speak to you from a view looking at mountains. He can speak to you from anything he wants to, from colors to dreams to thoughts, but I'll, I'll 
do more of that next week. So why, why, you know, why do this ministry? You know, why, why do we we look at the the prophetic and 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 minister that way? And there's again, if you look at YouTube, there's there, there's a lot of mess out there of people in the prophetic. A lot who copy the the best known prophets and saying, "I see that too." Please send me nineteen ninety nine, or we will come and we will come and prophesy to you if you guarantee us so much money. And I want to tell you, uh, four of us on the board of Jehu got to go out to Montana, and we didn't ask for any money from anybody, not a cent. And I know um, all our expenses are going to be met. Besides having a really nice place to stay in, where we just walk out on the back deck and there's deer walking through the stream and up through the woods and there's all these mountains and there's snow and there's a glacier in one of them. We we had a, a beautiful, beautiful view and a wonderful time. But a very tiring time because we we ministered strength and encouragement and comfort to everybody. And that trip was it was was eye opening very much to me. Um, I think one of the ways it really spoke to me is I started to understand honor and to be honored and to honor someone. Where we stayed was is is an Indian reservation with the Salish, the Kootenai, and the Pandoray Indians, and that's where the my son-in-law and daughter's church is located, and it is a place of absolute. Devastation on on a people, where money is very prevalent, because the government gives them money, the tribe gives them money, social services gives them money, and that money goes into crack, and that money goes into ecstasy, and that money goes into alcohol, and it is it is destroying a people. So why why you know. Why would God use four very different men and a situation in this to to speak to people we don't know? And as you you know get to know Gary and Terry and me and have opportunity to meet Ed and listen to him, you will see how different we are. We are four totally different people. Theologically, we don't see the same way. We have we have our points of going, eh, I don't think so. But we still respect each other. We still honor each other. And I said that, today, you know, my eyes were open to honor. We Being on the Indian reservation, honor is held very high to some people. We, 
there had been a man up there I'd seen preach one time on on video that was a friend with my son-in-law. And he is the seventh generation Sioux chief to the Sioux Nation. He has also been an evangelist for 40 years and goes around the country to the tribes. And blending the Native American First Nation people and, and Christianity together. And I, I caught him going out the door at, after he dropped his daughter off at my son-in-law's. And yeah, I stood there and talked to me for an hour and a half standing in the doorway. Because I wanted, I was a sponge. And then the next day he invited us over to his house. Huge honor for a Native American First Nation person to invite you to their house and to eat with him. It was an honor for him and it was an honor for us, my son-in-law and I. And honor is very important. And we, when we were all four together, we, we met them for lunch and spoke with him another two hours about what they see as Native American people and what the problem is and how their, their perspective of the spiritual realm is so different than ours in, in many respects. They, they deal with things that not everybody thinks exist. But he says that it is true and he has dealt with it for 40 years. Well, then the, we had we had another night we went out and this is this is we went <laughs> talked to a group of best way to put it is a group of white people in this person's home we had 20 people there most of them had no experience with the prophetic hungry but had no idea what it was and the four of us went in and, and sat down, and those 20 people we ministered for four hours. And we spoke to them. And we we let the Lord speak through us, and they were absolutely blown away. And it's not because we're exceptional people. It's not because we're any different than any one of you or anybody listening to this podcast. It is because God is gracious and wants his children to know how much he loves them. He wants to give them hope and expectations. He wants them to see him as God and that he is beyond their circumstances. And we had some, we had some powerful time in those four hours. Exhausting, tremendously. Wonderful, more than tremendously. And we, I've heard some stories, you know, after the fact that, you know, they just, they couldn't believe we knew things about them that they hadn't spoken to anyone. We also had an opportunity the, another night to go to a gentleman's house who is the Legally, the area is run by a tribal council. 
to be on be in this council or be anything legally in this place, you have to be, you have to, you have to show your lineage. You have to, you have to be tribal. There's one exception to that, and that's my daughter. She's made such an impact in social services. And she shouldn't be there because she's not an Indian. But I think it says she she placed 14 children in adoption when in the last four years they hadn't placed any out of this office if they were just gathering money, the workers. It was 18 grade. Huh? 18. 18. And and out of out of that, seven of those people in that office, my wife, my daughter's been there probably eight months, seven of the people have quit. She told me the other day that you had a new supervisor who's absolutely amazed and says, we're going to use your protocol as our format of handling things. My granddaughter and her husband have taken four Indian children that were in social services under the age of five as their own children. Take four kids under five years old. That's that's an armful. But they, they have a heart for this because they see people beyond their circumstances. And they they see that God has put himself in us. Jesus has put himself in us. And I need you to consider what a privilege that the creator of the universe said, I am in you. I, I will work through you and I will minister to you. And I, I want you to minister to everybody else. And, you know, some of you go, well, God's not in me. Well, you know, if you read Joshua in five, when Joshua, after Moses died, he's, God told Joshua, I'll be with you as I was with Moses. That I am going to be there. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 2710. And that that was one that's, that's come out of my own, my own experiences. But in a paraphrase, it says, though your mother and father forsake you, I will never forsake you. That gave me something to hang on to when I started walking with the Lord. And then another one of my favorite verses is in 1 John. It says, as he is, so am I right now in this world. I am that way because Jesus lives in me. And I'm going to minister out of that. And the nice thing to understand that God never changes. He's the same all the time. You know the way God's going to do it. The outcome, you don't know, quote, the path he's going to take and the way he's going to do it. And if you try to say that, well, this is the way God does this, and now I'm just going to copy it, you're you're foolish. He's the same. He doesn't change, but you don't know how he's going to do it. He may take four very different men and have them speak into your life in the prophetic. And believe me, a lot of times we have no idea what we say. We have no idea what we touch and what we what we do. But God is always the same. He does not change. And, and the nice thing 
and, and the prophetic and even in your in your life, God doesn't call out the stuff in your life. And there's a sigh of amen from everybody in this room. He calls you out in your true identity, who is Jesus. He does not go back and say, well, 15 years ago, you, no, he doesn't remember that. He remembers that no more. See, God is not sin conscious. He, does, he doesn't dwell on your sin. And as, as a church that teaches grace, it, it sometimes bothers people when we say we're not sinners. We're God's children, and we and we make mistakes. <clears throat> and I know there's been a lot of definitions for sin. My definition for sin is anything that says I am different than the identity and the likeness of Christ. And anything that goes against that is a sin. Because my true identity is him and who he is. He dealt with sin at the cross. Everything changed at the cross. He took away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And people think there's sin in us still. I go, well, did he take away the sin of the world or didn't he? Did he fail or, you know, did he not fail or succeed? I think he succeeded. He took away my sin. He put Christ in us so we will always know where our home is. When the circumstances, if, if you focus on your circumstances and in, in your life and you wonder what's going on, you know there's a place you can go that you will always be safe. And that's because he is there, already there, and he is your home. The way we come into salvation is the same way we preserve it. That's Hebrews 10.35. We believe. We believe. We persevere. We do not let the circumstances of our life... And then in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, where it talks to the, the faith chapter, and there's a thing I've, I've never heard preached on. But it's, it says, there are those who believed and saw in a distance who died without receiving the promise. But nevertheless, they have the promise. They died. Seeing it, that's hope. And that, I know that goes against a lot of word of faith teaching that if, if you don't see it, you just don't have enough faith. That's that's subject some other day. But what I see in my life does not change who Christ is and who Christ has called me to be. And these are things that we need we need people to understand, and that's why the prophetic is so powerful. That we get to initiate things in people's lives like love and, and hope and peace and health and joy. 
everything that God gave all of us, but there's some people that just don't see it. And in the prophetic, we, I will, I'll talk about it a little more next week, but one of the things is a little preview of next week. Anybody can go out and say, you're a wonderful person and gee, you're really, you know, you're, you're swell, you're a blessing. You know, everybody likes you. Well, those are words of, of men who, when you walk away, they turn and tell their friends, he is the biggest idiot I've ever seen. He, he believed, he believed, I said, God doesn't change. And when he, and when he uses somebody prophetically, He uses words because he is the word, and God, God speaks his word, and he uses, he uses the simple, strange things in life, and he uses us to speak his words. But he puts in there something that nobody else knows. Like if I gave a word to Gary, I would say something not knowing that Gary's spirit would go, oh my. And the rest of the stuff becomes truth to Gary. And that's what I see the prophetic doing. It's not that we're, you know, we're not reading somebody's mail. You know, we we have we have no understanding of what their mail is. But the Lord uses that to say, this is me speaking. Listen. Because his nature is good, 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 good. It's always good. And I would, I would ask that. Uh, and I've, I've done this a lot of times. Graham Cook has a recording you can find it on YouTube called "The Nature of God," about twenty-one minutes long, and he talks about God's nature. I, I would say I've probably listened to it fifty times, and it's still. blows me away that somebody that good would come and live in me and ask me to partner with other believers and to tell how good he is. The, the prophetic is used so people can learn that they are truly, really free in Christ, in Jesus. You leave Jesus out of the equation, you're just humanistic. You think you figure God out and you can use a certain pattern, you're just humanistic. Without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, you're a false copy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with this. This is 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Because I think the prophetic is, and again, after these four days that we ministered many different times to many different people, many different ways, a lot of joy, a lot, some crying, some people probably still wondering what we said and why we said something. 
but God's always was in it. He was always there. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 16. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loves us, and by his grace give us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. That is the purpose of the prophetic in the body of Christ. It's not to make a buck. It's not to build a ministry. It's to show off the goodness of God to people who do not understand. And that is a that is a true, true privilege. So, yay God, I end it there. You have such a tender heart and so full of love. I just, I can just feel it all encompassing me. Thank you for your... You. Wonderful message today. Bless you. Thank you.